Welcome to the Earning the Push podcast. I'm Jack Murley, and each and every week, myself and co-host, professional rugby player Charlie Beckett, break down everything happening inside and outside the squared circle in a show by wrestling fans for wrestling fans. Coming up today, the WrestleMania Backlash card has been changed just days away from this Sunday's event as a unification tag match we wanted to see becomes a six-man tag that is more than a little underwhelming on a card that, frankly, feels the same as well. Over in AEW, we see a familiar face return to try and stop the rise of Wardlow, a more heelish side to Adam Page, and a tease of the Hardys versus the Young Bucks somewhere down the line. We get into all of that on today's pod, plus rebooting Ronda Rousey, a name for the Cardiff Super Show, and could me and Charlie be this generation's answer to Billy and Chuck? All of that and so much more coming up right now on Earning the Push. Yes, mm, indeed. I, I saw it on um, Twitter. I sent you a sent you a message like, have we have we missed something here? What, what's going on here? They've they've suddenly gone quiet about unifying the tag belts, haven't they? And uh, maybe they've realised it was a bad idea. But I was really excited for that. That was going to be a great match. And now I I still have no doubt the match will deliver. But there's zero stakes to it now. There are zero stakes to this match. So why should I be bothered? Why should I be any more bothered about this in the main event of a pay-per-view than the main event of a random Raw or SmackDown? Do you know what I mean? Like this has lost all stakes. It's lost all importance now. What do you think's gone on here? Because to say it's been a, a wobbly journey to the main event of WrestleMania Backlash would be an understatement. We get a tease of Shinsuke Nakamura and Roman Reigns, then that goes nowhere. Then we get the tease to RK-Bro versus the Usos. In fact, it wasn't a tease, it was an announced match. And then suddenly it's like they forgot Roman and Drew weren't doing anything. I've never known anything quite like it. I really don't know. The Shinsuke thing will forever confuse me. Yeah. Forever. Came out, did one little, ooh, here I am, Roman, and then nothing. got super kicked by the Usos and nothing ever again was said about it. And then it looked like they were going to go all in on this tag match, which we spoke about it last week. It had the build, it had the pedigree, it had to be the main event of this show, and Roman had challenged the Usos to go and unify the tag belts like he had the, the main title. So the, the storyline made sense. Now, whether you thought it was a good idea in the real world to to book yourself into uh, probably one stable holding both the main titles and both the tag titles is a different question. But the storyline made sense of why Rome would want them to do that. The build made sense. You've got four genuine main event stars there. And like we said last week, it was strange that Roman had nothing to do, but don't force it. And it's exactly what they've done. They've changed the one match that I was actually excited for on this card to now just another throwaway WWE six-man tag. And what they're trying to do is sell us on the idea that, no, this is even bigger, this is even better, and there isn't a wrestling fan alive who will believe a six-man tag with no stakes at all is better than a unification match where, sure, we couldn't see how you do that in a sensible booking way, but we like to be surprised. This just, it matters not. There's Even if... Drew McIntyre pins Roman Reigns clean in this six-man tag, and that's what they're doing. It still isn't as exciting to me as that unification match would have been. If Roman gets pinned for the first time in 200 years in a six-man tag, I will be apoplectic. That moment when he pins or submits has to be enormous when that happens. If that gets ruined in a throwaway six-man tag, I will not be a happy bunny. But if they wanted to make this bigger than anything, this is the match they wanted to do. Make it a winner takes all. 
Ooh. If you really want to go in, have Drew somehow challenge Roman and make it a winner takes all for the 3v3. If you wanted to make it big, because then you'd have something to talk about. But they clearly didn't want to do that because that is monstrous as a match and needs some sort of build. So they've just... Why couldn't they have just... Why couldn't they just built a Roman versus Drew? Well, this is what it comes to when we've spoken the whole time in Roman Reigns' title reign. No one has been built up to the same level as Roman Reigns. And I think what they're maybe looking at here is going, we don't have anyone, and we've got stadium shows, we've got the Cardiff event coming up, so we need to heat Drew up. Do you not think there's a chance that WWE looks at this and says, what's an easy way to heat up Drew McIntyre? To, to get him to that point where he's instantly at Roman's level, have him beat Roman and do it in a six-man? I just think this moment now, they've built up Roman not being pinned for so long, but I think that has to be for the belts. I, th- I think it has to be. I could see them do something like have Drew Claymore Roman and then have the classic one, two, and as the ref's about to hit the third, he gets pulled out the ring by one of the Usos or gets distracted and the the... the the crowd can count the three, four, five. Like, have it clear that Roman had him pinned without having him pinned. That that I'd be okay with. It does make it seem an event that was already lacking a little bit of luster, that, that didn't really feel that fresh, changing this and changing it last minute as well. We're all pretty forgiving as wrestling fans if there is, um, particularly in the times we live in, COVID, situations happen, travel issues, you can get that. But I'm not smelling any of that around this. This just seems like a creative last-minute swerve. Yeah, I think so. And this has gone from a show that had two matches I needed to see. I needed to see this tag match, and I needed to see Seth versus Cody again. I now only need to, need to see Seth versus Cody. Yes, I'll check out this six-man tag for sure, because I think it'll be a fun match. I, that's thing. I don't for a second doubt this match will be next week. We'll go, well, that was a good match. They were just, like I said, at the top of the show. There are zero stakes to it, so my my care for it is not that great. But um, the Seth versus Cody match, I'm really, really interested in. And apart from that, I can't really tell you anything else on this WrestleMania Backlash card that's got me interested. Here's something curious. We had Asuka come back last week to confront Becky Lynch. On Raw this week, we had a multi-woman match in the main event. Yet on WrestleMania Backlash, as I look at the card now... There's no match for Bianca Belair, unless I'm mistaken. There's no match for Becky Lynch, the former champion. And there's no match for Asuka. And yet that was the main event of the go-home Raw for for what would have been a pay-per-view back in the day. Now, I know times are different, but that seems an odd thing to do. Really odd. And I don't know if they're going to just chuck something out on social media today or tomorrow Mm. uh, for it, which seems to be the way they do things now. And is a bit lazy, if you ask me. Just chuck it out. Give me the story on television. But I, I actually couldn't tell you what matches there are. If you've got the card in front of you, I genuinely, this is bad for a man who is a co-host of the wrestling podcast. I couldn't tell you what matches there are this Sunday. Well, I, th- I think that's part of the issue. So, so the matches, as we've alluded to, Drew McIntyre and RK Bro take on the bloodline in the six-man tag match. Cody Seth 2, Happy Corbin versus Madcap Moss in a singles match. Bobby Lashley versus Omos in a singles match. AJ Styles against Edge with the stipulation of Damian Priest being banned from ringside. And Charlotte Flair versus Ronda Rousey. I quit match for the WWE SmackDown Women's Championship. Those are the six announced matches so far. We record before SmackDown and this drops before SmackDown. So I wouldn't bet on everything being all up in the air by that point. But still, as a card, hmm. Yeah, I think the fact that I haven't once mentioned the Charlotte Ronda match shows how how cold that build is. 
because they're in their at their prime. They're two of my favorite performers, male or female, anywhere in the world. I think they're brilliant, but that has not got my attention in the slightest at the moment. So what's gone wrong here? Because I think you're right. We we you know we consume more than an average amount of wrestling. We follow more than an average amount of wrestling fans, journalists, media on social media, and you know when there's buzz. And this is this is stone cold. This feud is out on a slab. There is nothing to it. And when you look at the talent. Charlotte Flair, Ronda Rousey, on paper it should work. In reality, it's not. Why? I think it's cast all wrong. I don't think Ronda's a good face at all. I think she is a brilliant heel. Face Ronda doesn't work for me. Charlotte's in a bit of a weird place, I think, at the moment, where I think a lot of the, you hear a lot of the personal heat she has with the likes of Becky and her influence made backstage, I think maybe it's come across from how people are treating her on screen. I think the crowd aren't as hot on her as they have been. And I, I genuinely believe it's still reeling from the wrong booking at WrestleMania. This had to be Ronda versus Becky. It had to be. And I think no one's been interested in Ronda versus Charlotte because we didn't get the match we all wanted. Yeah, I was going to say, is that what it is? If we run this back, Ronda Rousey wins a Rumble and she comes out and challenges Becky Lynch... Are we looking at a different two or three months for WWE? Yeah, I, I absolutely I think so. And I I will never know why they didn't book this. I understand why they didn't book it for WrestleMania 35. Was it 35? Yeah, with the yeah. main event, with the uh, with the triple threat. I understood getting wanting to get as much star power in there as you can. And it was never meant to be Becky Ronda, was it? Becky just caught fire when she did. But you're three years down the line now. You know that... Becky Lynch sells tickets. You know she puts bums on seats. You know she is the biggest player you've got in that women's division. And everyone wants to see her versus Ronda. And Ronda's back and she wins the Rumble. And it's the most obviously easy booking you've ever done. Give the match we never got. And they still didn't. And, and, you know, Becky beat Ronda in that triple threat. She pinned her. I mean, it was was a bit of a a shaky pin. Um, These things happen, but she pinned her. And I just think... Timing's so important in wrestling, isn't it? Because now, say, say for example, they seem to be on this unification kick at the moment. Say Rousey makes Charlotte quit and we end up with Becky with the belt back and somehow you get Ronda versus Becky at SummerSlam. It's not as hot. The shine is off the apple a little bit with Ronda Rousey because she has become forgettable in this run. Yeah, which is... Honestly, almost inconceivable to say, isn't it, that Ronda Rousey is forgettable, but you're right, she is. How can you have a, a, a premium live event as well if you're WWE? Uh, just, I know, oh I'm sorry. God, We've, we're in a every bra- time. We're in a brave new world, Charlie. We have to go with it. How can you have a premium live event? And if you believe there are three world titles in WWE, the unified men's title, the Raw and the SmackDown Women's Championship, how can you have an event like this and not have those titles defended. Only one of them, the SmackDown women's belt, is up for grabs. Unless I'm mistaken, not a single other belt is up for grabs on this on this event. Not the Intercontinental title, not the US title. Um, it's just very strange. It really, really is. It it's it, it's baffling. I don't I don't it's almost like WWE have gone, oh God, we've got that show this weekend. Right, just chuck some stuff out. Because it does, it seems like there's apart from now, apart from Seth Cody, there is no point in any of these matches. Apart from sorry, and the SmackDown Women's Championship, because mm. there's a reason for that. Apart from that, there is no reason for any of these matches now. They're just happening. So is this an argument for WWE, who now 
is doing premium live events versus pay-per-views to look and say, do we need to have an event like this so close to WrestleMania? Would they be better binning this one off and taking us through to, I don't know, end of May, start of June, and just going from WrestleMania to something big to give them the opportunity to build those matches? Or is this just WWE this time round not having got the build right to this event? It's an interesting one because sometimes you see you come out of Mania and straight away you know where you're going and you want those matches in the next month. This time around, there's no need for this show, is there? But you, you can't decide that after Mania. You have, there are a million reasons why you have to decide that way before the fact. But if you know you've got this coming, which you have the whole time, book it better. Like this, this hasn't creeped up on the map of surprise. They've known for, for a good while that on the 8th of May or whatever day it will be, you've got WrestleMania Backlash, still hate the name. And this is what's going to happen. So be ready for it. Yeah, I think they're playing off the WrestleMania brand here, which you can understand, and they did it for the WrestleMania Raw and the WrestleMania SmackDown. I tell you what I don't love as well, and I wonder if this is a necessary consequence of Roman holding both belts. It was a really hot segment to start Monday Night Raw. And then it ends with them saying, and find out more on SmackDown. Now, from a, from a television point of view, hooking someone over to your next show makes sense. But if you're in that audience, if you're at that show, you don't want to be told, bad luck, boys, have a watch of the next one. Also, I'm like, that was a 20-minute segment. I'm here for another two hours and 40 minutes. Like, that's always one of the funniest things I think in wrestling of. Uh, so let's say we're wrestlers, Jack, and I I assault you on Monday Night Raw it can happen. with a steel chair. Yeah. You will wait until next Monday to respond. <laughs> You won't. You won't come find me where I live. You won't ring me. You won't go on Twitter. You will wait until next Monday, and then you'll burst the door next Monday, seething as if you haven't been able to do it. Like, I can't wait to get my hands on it. You've waited a week, mate. And not only can I not wait, I will not do it until someone hits my entrance music. Until yes, yes, someone yes, hits yes. my music, I'm going to sit backstage and, why I order? That's, that's the other one. When, <laughs> we're on a tangent here. When someone's getting beaten up in the ring, and you used to know that their mate backstage is like, Steve, get my music, get my music. They're like, but, but Charlie, Jack's in the ring getting absolutely bad. I will not go down till my music hits. Charlie, he's going to get a concerto. This guy have lasting damage. Put the music on. I, no, one ever just, no one ever just runs down to save. They wait for the music to hit. I can imagine you just run into Gorilla Gun. Track three, track three, skip, skip to track three. Unbelievable. I just walk out to the wrong music as well. Like, ah, this is Trish Stratus. Right, it'll do. It'll do. I'm off. Well, away from uh, entrance music and such gaffes as that, we have a name for the Cardiff Super Show, Clash at the Castle. Now, this was announced late last Friday. In fact, I was in bed because I get up very early for my weekend job. You messaged me. Um, Decent name. Quite like it. Yeah, I see people going, mm, there's not a castle. Shut up. Shut up. <laughs> We've got a show in the UK. Stop stop panicking and making issues. And I love castles, so I'm buzzing. Uh, yeah, really good name. I like it a lot. It brings out the worst in wrestling fans, where WWE have gone, right, we're going to bring you a stadium show. First time in 30 years. It's going to be great. The tickets are on sale, and people are going, um, you know the principality is not near a castle of any kind. And you get that. Of all the things in wrestling, that is your problem. Yes. If you if you don't shut up, I'll take you to a castle and lock you in the dungeons, you idiot. Dungeon match. I can see it now. Oh, wow. Drew versus Roman. This is like 2009 TNA levels of booking. Yeah. And I'm, we are, I am registered for, I, I don't know what will happen, but I've registered them. Let me know when tickets go on sale. If they go, I'm myself getting an email and being like, Charlie, tickets go on sale in five minutes. Yeah. 
I'm like, oh, great, thanks for that. Did you see the the speculation online? I can't remember who reported it, but it was a fairly credible source saying that at one of the three stadium shows WWE is doing this summer, which is Money in the Bank, SummerSlam, and then Clash at the Castle, they're also planning to do an NXT 2.0 sort of takeover event. I guess they're calling it Stand and Deliver now. And there was some suggestion that maybe Cardiff or the UK would be where they'd put it, which I think would be a great choice. Yeah, I can absolutely see that. That would make sense um, on the Friday night, like like good old pay-per-views and takeovers, do it the night before. On the Friday night, um, there's arenas in Cardiff. If I'm, the, I, can't, I don't know what it's called, but there's a 15,000-seater yeah. or something like that, arena in Cardiff. Make it a weekend. Make it like a mania weekend for people over here. Why, I, why would you not? That I think that makes great sense. I think the shame is that if we had been speaking now ending an NXT 2.0 kick in let's say a year ago it was still sort of going maybe a, certainly when we started this podcast we had traditional NXT if at that point someone could have said Charlie we've got a stadium show and the potential for NXT coming here to do one of their premium live events you would have bitten my arm I'd be, off I'd be, I'd be done I'd be done that'd be me I would have combusted yeah that would be it and now Take or leave NXT 2.0. I read about it. I see it. I'm sure it's a decent product. I just do not care. And I will never understand why they've done it because the ratings haven't changed as far as I can see. It hasn't created any extra buzz. It just, it still makes me sad. Our mate Nathan Fraser's there now, though. I say our mate. I've never spoken to him. You've spoken to him once. He's our firm friend. He he is. And he's a a good advert, actually, for someone uh, who, who... pursued his dreams, chased it, and made it come true. So good good on Nathan you, Fraser. You had an interview with him on our first ever show in our when we did it for the BBC. You interviewed him. I did. He was uh, living in the Channel Islands, and he was called uh, Benjamin Carter, and he was, I think he was in the US at the time. He'd gone on a football scholarship, and he said, I'm training at Seth Rollins. I'd love to be a WWE superstar. And there he is performing on USA National TV. Good lad, good effort. Well done to uh, Nathan Fraser. Hey, Charlie, how did we not see this coming? Cody Rhodes was obviously going to be the next guest on the Broken Skull Sessions. And yet when it was announced by WWE on their Twitter feed earlier this week, it took me completely by surprise. Oh, I'm excited for this one. This is, I think we both tweeted about it. I said like, there's must see, then there's must see, and then there's this. Because if it was, if it, I know he's on After the Bell with Corey Graves. I don't know if you saw where Cody um, gifted him one of uh, Dusty's hats that never made its way to, uh, to Corey that uh, Dusty always wanted him to. And that was a really nice moment. And I listened to that After the Bell. It was very good. But no one asks the questions that Stone Cold will. Because Stone Cold, Stone Cold and doesn't care. He will ask anything. Like Stone Cold, I have no doubt, will just name drop AEW. He'll yeah. be talking about it. They'll be, it will be as candid as they come. And it's going to be two hours of just must-watch from... Stories about Dusty to stories about coming through in WWE to what we all want to know about why he left, how he left, what it was like setting up AEW, and then why he came back. It will be, I, I, I don't think there'll be anything that's not on the table for this conversation. And with Stone Cold, m- most interviews you do, you go from A to B to C, and you start at the beginning and you end at the end. Stone Cold, if he doesn't open with uh, some kind of a surprise to see you back here, kid, that kind of thing, and get straight into it, I would be amazed. That is going to be... Because we've not really... Yeah, we saw the after the bell. You're right. Cody hasn't had that opportunity on that platform to sit down and tell his story. It's going to be absolutely fascinating. How far do you think he'll go? Do you think he will tell all? No, because no one ever tells all. No one ever tells everything. I think he will tell enough that we think we've been told all. Because he's got. they've got to. Because if they don't... 
if they don't ask the questions that need to be asked and give some of the details that need to be given, then what's the point of doing it? And it will it will be it will be a waste of time doing it. And I don't think they'll want that because the one in these broken school sessions have got a reputation for, like the twenty four documentaries have with WWR, just being excellent. They, they they don't miss. They get right to the point. Look at the way Becky Lynch spoke about Charlotte on hers, for example. Like they they don't mess about. So. I think we'll get a lot. I think next week, one of our main talking points will not be WrestleMania backlash. It will be the Broken School session with Stone Cold and Cody. And speaking of Cody, can you see any way in which he is beaten by Seth, firstly? And secondly, is he still as hot as he was when he arrived in WWE? Because I've got I've to be honest. I watched the promos with Seth, and I hear the Cody chants... I don't always see the Cody chance. And after what we had last Oh, WWE won't pipe noise in, Jack. Well, this is maybe where they're a victim of being too clever by half. But I, I do wonder whether... Maybe my expectations are too, are too high. But I wonder if he's as hot as he should be, could be. Or maybe that's just me being an unrealistic wrestling fan. On the hot point, first of all, I think he is as... He's never going to be as hot as that pop. You never get anything as big as your no. pop, do you? No. But I, I do think he is as hot. I think he needs another good match this week because he hasn't wrestled since, has he really? He needs to back it up with another match that is as good as that set. Because that's the thing people are forgetting, I think, from me is how good that match was because of the moment. The match was actually absolutely top draw. Um, and I think we need another one of them this week. On the can I see him losing point of view, I absolutely do not think he should. I've made that very clear. Don't go 50-50 with this. You've got to book Cody to the moon how strong he is. Do, could I see it happening? Yes. Yes, I could because it's WWE. And also, and this may come into something we talk about later, I think I'm right in saying the next uh, match or me- next premium live event on the WWE schedule is Hell in a Cell. And so I think right. that might play into things. I think that might influence it. Good, because Hell in a Cell does make sense because it's June. Oh, I hate it so much. I hate it so much. Have a hell in a cell because a few deserves it, not because the calendar dictates. More and more of you are listening to this show each and every week, and there are three simple things you can do to help keep us growing. Firstly, rate and review us wherever you're listening today. Secondly, subscribe so episodes are delivered fresh to your device each week. And thirdly, be proud of your Earning the Push fandom. Spread the word on social media, on Twitter, on Facebook and Instagram, and tell other wrestling fans about what we do here. We'd be so grateful if you could help us out. And now... Back to the show. Let's talk a little bit about AEW. Dynamite has been on this week, as we know. Some big returns, including William Morrissey, formerly known as Big Cass in WWE, taking on and losing to Wardlow. Jeff Hardy takes on Bobby Fish in an Owen Cup qualifier. So does Dante Martin and Ray Phoenix. Hangman Adam Page goes a wee bit heelish in the build to his match with CM Punk. And we get a tease of the Young Bucks against the Hardys. But by far, for me, the best thing AEW has done this week didn't feature in full on AEW Dynamite. Again! Well, for those who haven't seen, pause us, go and watch the Blackpool Combat Club in training with William Regal, then come back, because we're going to talk about it. Unbelievable video package. Yeah, one of the best. One of the absolute best. And not like anything we've seen in wrestling for a long, long time. I love behind-the-scenes training videos. I love seeing them doing their holds, doing their grappling everything in training and William Regal doesn't deliver on the beat he doesn't talk in a way someone should 
do, do you know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. you, 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 of course you do. You're a professional presenter. There's a way you should talk. There's a way that people want to hear and expect to hear words. William Regal doesn't talk the way a normal human being does. He will use his words like this and then slow down, but then he'll pick it up and, but it works. It's, it's haunting. And if I tried to talk like that, people are like, Charlie, you silly tit, what are you doing? <laughs> but Regal does it and I'm like, he's going to kick my head in. Yeah. He, he's got, he, he uses, it's, it's, I once read a screenwriter say, when you're writing really good dialogue, the words are one thing. The, the way you deliver it is the music. And it's like brilliant, brutal music when William Regal looks into the camera with those shark-like eyes and just tells you what he's going to do. And who would have thought that in 2022, one of the most relevant things in wrestling would be William Regal? Because we're not talking as much about Brian Danielson or John Moxley or Wheeler Utah. We're talking about Regal as the front for this group. And the guy's been doing this for decades and decades, and still, he's as relevant as it comes. Yeah, absolutely. And he's a delight on commentary as well when he commentates on the matches. Mike, I don't have any gripes with the Blackpool Combat Club. I love the Blackpool Combat Club. I do have one potential issue I could foresee happening. Go on. They need a reason soon. They need something to go after. Now, whether that's training Wheeler Utah up to go after the TNT Championship, whether that's Mox and Danielson getting into the tag scene and Utah being like their third man, like the New Day were, for example. Like, if they go after tag titles, I don't know. Maybe they go after tag titles, they hold them. Um, Freebird style, yeah. like uh, New Day do in a WWE. Whether it's they bring the trios titles in, I, I don't care what it is. But at some point, they need to be a little bit more than just three lads who train together, then batter another three every Wednesday. Yeah, I, I don't know what you think on that. I, I completely agree, and I've heard a few people say, and I, 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 because I really enjoy it, and I think in wrestling sometimes you just have to go with the ride, and if you're enjoying something, just enjoy it for as long as it goes. I have heard a few suggestions, and I don't think I can say it's wrong, is would this mean more if it wasn't the Blackpool Combat Club, if it was, say, Regal and Danielson, and we were getting the same Regal promos, the same Regal persona, but he was trying to get Danielson back into the world title picture? Would that feel more relevant? Would that feel bigger? It's a really good question because... Regal managing anyone like this would 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 have the same effect, I think, as long as the right person. Now, Regal managing Moxie by himself, I don't think would have because Mox by himself doesn't need managing. He's 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 a uh, he's a force unto himself, isn't he? And plucking Wheeler Uter out might not have worked either because mm. who the hell was Wheeler Uter before he was with these guys? Danielson, I could absolutely see it working. I I I love this trio. I think they're brilliant. I love the. I loved the Danielson Mox match and how they had to earn each other's respect through blood. And then loved the fact that they, it made so much sense that they still weren't going to see ITY. And then Regal, who they both worship, came in and put them together. That made sense. And then it makes sense picking Utah up as a younger talent. So I, I don't think this doesn't mean anything. I just think they need a reason soon. They need something more than, like I said, just being three lads training together and battering people. I, I would love that. I would love it if they split, not split them off and break it up, but if they almost had William Regal say, right, here are our objectives. Danielson, you're going for the world championship. And then Mox and Utah, you're going for the tag belts. And we get that type of thing because who wouldn't want, I can take more than than one bit of William Regal on my screen. I can take that. That I mean, it's it's it used to be MJF. I think it's now the Blackpool Combat Club. The best thing about AEW each week. So give me more of that. On that though, MJF still excellent. This MJF Wardlow build, I'm really all in on. 
Your face is suggesting that you're not. Well, no, I I am. I I think that what they've done with Wardlow has been impeccable because I didn't really, at the start of the year, care about Wardlow in any role other than what he was doing. You can just tell by those reactions that Tony Khan is doing this really, really well. The face was sort of a little bit because we have seen this from MJF before. We've seen this, I'm laying out challenges for you, and we saw it with Jericho, and we've seen it with Punk, and now we're seeing it again with Wardlow, and I would just not like to see it again in his next feud, whoever it is. Tell you what I think is different on this one. What I, I would Now, whether they will do this, I don't know, but what I would do, whatever these stipulations are next week that I put out, I'll have Wardlow accept them all, and then I would have Wardlow absolutely batter him at double or nothing. I mean, like, almost uncomfortably batter MJF. And then I wouldn't see MJF for a while. Oh, interesting. So have it, have him squash him down and get yeah. rid of... Because what you need is you do need you do need the force to strike back, almost as yeah. it were. And if MJF... At some point, MJF needs his comeuppance. At yeah. some point, he does. And you can't wind a beast like Wardle up this long and not not get it. Because I, 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 I actually think it makes Wardle look weak if he doesn't now. I, I think have like the first five, minutes, 10 minutes or so, be MJF escaping it and whatever whatever this match stipulation is going to be, have it play into his hands and then eventually get Wardlow, get his hands on him. And then, because we all know in a one-on-one fight, those two with their hands on each other, there's only going to be one winner yeah. and tell that story, tell that story then. And then, yeah, I don't want to see him Jeff for a few weeks and then put him into whatever's next. And and would you have it be come back against Wardlow or would you almost have him put that? Because if you're MJF, if you're trying to get into his psyche, if that humiliation happens to you, and you know it's going to happen again, you do move on. You pretend it doesn't yeah. happen. You yeah, go exactly after someone that. bigger. Yeah. Have him come back and not even mention it. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I think, okay, I would like that. And I really, really did like, and it is one of my favourite things each week. I think they've done impeccably well with Wardlow. I wasn't expecting to see Hangman Adam Page go, some are saying more heelish. I'm saying more serious. And I quite like this side of him. I think if you've got CM Punk coming after your title... This is how you'd behave. Absolutely. It, you, you aren't going to laugh and joke and cowboy cowboy it up because this one of the best has ever been coming for your title. So make the title feel relevant by taking it seriously. Yeah, I, I like it a lot. I, I didn't think it was heelish. I thought it was just straight down the middle, serious of this is my title. And just because you're CM Punk doesn't mean you take it from me. And what it means is next week, if Punk's there, he will fire back, I think, and we're going to get that build. Because really, Double or Nothing isn't that far away. And I was, I did write in my notes coming into this, it's been a while since AEW has felt consequential. There was a mm-hmm. real stage where, you know, they, they had the first MJF-CM Punk confrontation, and then we had Paige win the title. And then, and then we had, you know, Revolution, Regal comes back, and it's just been sort of bubbling under. Not good. Not bad. Perfectly good wrestling. Still, in my opinion, the best wrestling product on TV each week. But there hasn't been that sort of oomph to some of it. Tell you what I wouldn't mind from Double or Nothing. A little bit of a smaller card. Yes. Make it a six to eight match card, not 10, 11, 12. And not every match has to be a dream match. Do you know what I mean? Like, make it so that the big matches get the time they, they deserve and have time to breathe. Because that's the only, the only thing with um, AW pay-per-view sometimes is you get this amazing match and it doesn't have time to breathe because the next one comes along. Here's the trouble we've got. AEW, I mean, it's a lovely problem to have. So say we're going to boil this down to a few matches. We know we're, oh. getting, we know we're getting Page Punk. That's one. We know we're getting Wardlow MJF. That's two. 
we know we're going to get some of these Owen Hart Cup matches, which are dream matches in their own right. Probably the Hardys against the Young Bucks as well. Now On the Owen Hart thing, surely we have to get to the final by the time we get to Double or Nothing. Yeah. Sure, we have. Been, so you got you got our men's and women's final. Yep, that's true. So then there's four matches straight away. You get Hardy's Young Bucks. There's five. Serena Deeb against uh, Thunder Rosa for the women's belt. Yep. So there's six matches. What else do you need? Now I know there are a load of people not on your card there. I know there are. My favorite's not there. Adam Cole, baby, yeah, ain't there. But right now, if there's nothing for him, leave him. Just leave him. Do you know what I mean? Like and. You have a different conversation of how is there nothing for Adam Cole? And I get that conversation. Don't you worry. I understand that. <laughs> well, I'll tell you what else will be there. House of Black versus Death Triangle will be on this card as well. Yeah. And, and, and I'd, open, I'd open with that because, oh, that will be fun. But we're doing, right, so we're, what we're just doing now is it must be exactly what Tony Khan's doing because he must be sitting there as well going, and we need something with a Jericho Appreciation oh, Society. Oh, the Blackpool Combat Club out there. And the Blackpool Combat Club. So what do you do? What do you do in this situation? You... you I mean, it's a lovely problem to have. And as we build towards Double or Nothing, I'm absolutely certain we're going to be going, it's a hell of a card he's established. One of the things in the Owen Cup, by the way, on the men's side of the draw, a joker, a wild card speculation as to, I think, who's going to face Samoa Joe in the brackets because we've had the brackets announced. I think we're getting Jeff Hardy, Darby Allen. That's a dream mm-hmm. match. Um, this joker, Gargano, Cesaro. Yes, I, think, I, think, I think Gargano, I think he's ready to come back now. Not, not, not Cesaro coming in for, against the. Well, I keep forgetting Cesaro's out there in the wilderness somewhere. <laughs> that's that's madness, isn't it? That Cesaro's about somewhere. Yeah, it's going to be fascinating. Um, let's talk very quickly about Hookhausen because we wondered how they booked themselves, <laughs> only because it's exactly what we said would happen. Yes, we got, we got a yes. bit of booking prediction right on this show. We said it wouldn't really happen. It would sort of be a confrontation that fizzled and Tony Nice would get involved, and we booked it spot on. It was great. We we actually rang Tony Khan and said, Tony, we've got it for you. You've got your hands full. Fulham are going to get promoted this week. You look after that. You've got the draft with the Jaguars. You look after <laughs> that. We've got AEW this week. Don't you worry, son. And we did, and we booked it to perfection. And actually... I, I quite like an odd couple tag team. I got I like RK Bro. I like Team Hell No. Um, I like the Rock and Sock connection. It's, again, as we always say about AW, it's not what we'd have done. It's not what I could have fathomed, but I think that's going to be good good spot for them both. Bit of comedy. It works for me. H- Hookhausen's a good name as well. Hookhausen will work. Hookhausen's a good name. And I'm, I'm now excited to see him wrestle, Mr. Hausen. Really? Is, that, is, he, is he Dan... Surname Hausen. Is That's that how it. we're going? Yeah. Is his, are, his, are his letters addressed to Mr. Hausen? Is that how it is? It, it's Daniel Hausen. Yeah. Mr. <laughs> Mr. D. Hausen. <laughs> um, mainly because of what you've said to me and some of our listeners have said, and I've never seen him wrestle. Now the first time I'm going to see him isn't when Hook has to batter him. Mm. I'm really interested to see what he does. And like you say, I do like an odd couple. I'll be interested how seriously they are taken as a tag team on AW because... That tag team roster is stacked, and there are some serious tag teams there. Now, straight away, I want to see Hookhausen versus FTR. Because really? they're the complete op- well, they're the complete opposite, aren't they? FTR are the most serious tag team in the world. Hook's going to look like he doesn't care, and Dan Housen's an idiot. So let put them against each other. I wouldn't have them anywhere near the tag team title picture. I, I would have them exist in their own little universe, beating... Um, lower card tag teams that are thrown together and have them almost do You know sports. they're going to get over, though. You know they're going to get too popular to do that for too long. And that's when Hook turns on Danhausen. 
So at some point you see Hook just battering down Daniel. Here's what I think we get. I think we get six months where we get this sort of odd couple where Hook, you know, I think maybe he nods some approval at Dan Housen in the ring. I think I think the I think the optimum moment to get to is Hook cursing someone. That's that's gonna be the biggest pop you get. And at that moment, the week after you have him turn him. I don't think you need him in the tag team. I'm not sure I need Hook cursing anyone. No, are you sure you wouldn't pop big for that? I don't think so. Damn it. Okay. Um, well, look, that's all to come. Uh, uh, hidden gems. Do you want some hidden gems? Do you have a hidden gem for me? I've got one. I've, I've got one. Yeah. I've got one. I'm not sure. I'm not sure you can call it a hidden gem because of the card it was on. Okay. But it, it is a match I feel is massively underappreciated. Oh, go for and it. And I went back and watched it again this week just to check that I hadn't um, over-egged it in my mind. But I, I, it, it stands the test of time. Um, I'd like to take about 10 years to WrestleMania 28, a card dominated by three things. It is dominated by Daniel Bryan being squashed in 17 seconds or whatever it was by Sheamus. Mm. It is dominated by the end of an era, obviously, which is my favourite match ever. And it is dominated by Rock versus Cena 1. Yes. Okay? On that card also, the hidden gem is for the World Heavyweight title, CM Punk wrestles Chris Jericho. Yes, it does. is brilliant. Yes. It is 15 to 20 minutes of utter brilliance. Now this is the build where it was all about sort of Jericho. Didn't Jericho smash Punk with a with a bottle of whiskey? Yeah, and it was both of them shouting "best in the world" at each other essentially. Yeah, it it's... was Jericho being like, "You might call yourself the best in the world, but I am the best in the world." And they have an absolute barnstormer of a match, and it gets lost because of what a big card it was. I mean, that WrestleMania when we talk about greatest manias of all time, that has to be in the mix as as one of them. Yeah. I, I'm I'm biased towards that one because it's the first one I stayed up all night to watch. It's the first one I did live ever. Yeah. Um, me and a few of my mates, um, what were we, 16? Yeah, 16. So we stayed up and watched and it was class. But you go back and watch it again and it is a brilliant mania. It is excellent. Yeah, and the fact that you've got Punk Jericho as a sleeper match on it, I'd completely forgotten about that. Is that also the one where it was Big Show Cody for the IC title as well? And I think it was a one belt. I think so. Yeah, Big There's Show needed like a moment there. and he never got it. And Cody, yeah. Cody, yeah, that was that's a great shout. Uh, we've got one from hashtag Stay Grumpy Dan. Uh, now, whether this is a gem remains to be uh, seen, but he messaged this week saying this has to be there. Backlash 2006, Vince McMahon and Shane McMahon versus Shawn Michaels. And, and Jesus. No, no, not Jesus. And God. God. God it's God, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry. He, he, and, and in particular... God the, gets an entrance. The, that's exactly what Dan wants to talk about. God's ring entrance. Which, for those of you who, who maybe are later in your wrestling fandom, yes, this was a real thing. Vince and Shane took on a Shawn Michaels and God after WrestleMania 22 on the Backlash card. Um, the way that God's ring entrance was, was a spotlight and some harp music as the spotlight came down the ramp, round the ring, and then Vince McMahon asks God if he wants to get jiggy with it and starts to dance. This really, really happened. Yeah, God no-sells quite hard throughout the match, well, if, I, if I remember correctly. <laughs> I, I, always had, I always heard that he was quite difficult backstage, God. Yes, <laughs> yeah. one yeah. of those. He, he was brought up in um, his wrestling his wrestling uh, academy days were in Japan, weren't they? So he wrestles rather strong style, I've heard. <laughs> Imagine backstage. So, um, God, who, who's going over? Are we are we taking the pin? Are we are we? It was it was unbelievable. But and, and I vaguely remember, and I haven't watched it back, and I don't think I will. There's a great line because I think Shawn Michaels loses because it's him in a spotlight, thanks to the Spirit Squad. 
And I'm sure Jerry the King Lawler says something like, there you see it, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit squad, as Vince and Shane stand there winning. And I think... It's a brilliant line. That's a brilliant line. Worth it for that alone. Now, look, we've got to set a new fancy booking topic. Uh, I've got one if you're interested. I'm always interested. Here we go. So, the next big pay-per-view after WrestleMania Backlash is, I think, Hell in a Cell. So, what one feud from WWE at the moment would you conclude inside the cell and why? So, we don't have... A whole card of pay-per-views. We've got one feud. You can start one anew. You can finish off one that's going. But what is your one cell match that you can heat up by the time of the next premium live event? That's a really good one. Yeah, I think it because needs it's not be. an easy answer. No, and and it, it's what they will be doing. So we could be a little bit mystic, uh, Charlie and Mystic Jack, getting this one right. So that's for next week. Charlie underscore Beckett, Jack underscore Murley. What one feud from WWE at the moment would you conclude inside the cell and why? You can start a new one. If anyone says WWE's 24-7 title picture, you're disqualified <laughs> from listening. You're blocked. I'd kind of appreciate that. I know you would. Right, let's do everyone's favourite part of the show. Let's send something back to developmental from everyday life and give something the push. These are things we want to see more of or celebrate and things we'd rather not see again. First or second? I'll go first. Go for it. Um, My earning the push, as much as I want to give it to the Champions League semi-finals, I really do because they were brilliant and Liverpool in the final. Uh, I have to give it just in general to the weekend of women's rugby we just had. Mm-hmm. Um, so we had Super Saturday in the Six Nations, uh, three great matches, but the headline being that the Grand Slam decider between England and France had over 1 million people watching it in England across all formats with iPlayer watches later in the day, etc. 1 million people on a Saturday afternoon watching women's rugby in England. And then I think there was another 800,000 in France plus the 22,000 in the stadium. Absolutely brilliant. Um, there have been millions of arguments of who wants to watch women's rugby, who cares? Well, that the arguments are just not there anymore. And this whole Six Nations campaign, um, England broke their record for attendance at a Red Roses match twice. They had 15,500 at King's Home and 16,500 at Welford Road. So just brilliant, brilliant, brilliant on the Saturday. And congratulations in order to the Beckett family as well, who, who mm-hmm. played more than a small role in helping that happen. Yes, Sarah was playing. I I had a little... Dad was in the crowd drinking beer, helping out as well. So <laughs> Giving good. people RKOs and yes, flare jobs. in jobs. the crowd in France. <laughs> um, oh, when I went to watch her play through the under-20s in France, I got the drunkest I ever have in my life in Lille, but that's a different story. Um, there was okay. free bar, there was free beer at the uh, family room after Jack, it didn't end well. Oh, really? Um, that, that's a different podcast I'm amazed story. you remember it. Uh, I've been told. Um, it ended with me doing a Gerard knee slide on the pitch, so we don't talk about that. <laughs> um, and then, but the big one for me was on Sunday, my very own Chapman Tigers women, who I am one of the coaches of, won the national championships of the league under the premiership. Uh, and they were just brilliant. The girls were brilliant. They won the final on Sunday. But also, there was a thousand people watching that live stream at one point. So that's brilliant for grassroots women's rugby. So it's just great to see in England that women's rugby at the absolute most elite level is absolutely thriving. And at grassroots level is also thriving. So just a massive double thumbs up, earn the push to everyone involved with women's rugby in England at the moment. Yeah, and and for those who maybe aren't familiar with the progress of women's rugby, it really wasn't that long ago because I interviewed a former England player who had to buy her own shirt to play in 
it wasn't that long ago where an England elite level women's player, if they wanted to watch their own game back, they had to wait till someone ran off a DVD for them. So to see where we are now and to know where it can go in the future, I 100% agree. Thumbs up. Amazing work to all the women who have made this happen and some of the men who've got behind them as well, the allies who've made it happen. I 100% agree. Yeah, so that is my end. The push of the week, my back developmental. Jack knows what it is because we spoke about off air. We've had to rearrange our time of recording today because of it. Uh, we're having our garden dump, which is brilliant. Uh, we're having new turf lay because that's a kind of exciting adult thing I do now. <laughs> the gardeners were meant to do it last Friday. They rearranged to come yesterday. They then, after the time they were meant to be here yesterday, rang me to let me know they couldn't do yesterday. They would do 8 o'clock this morning. So I rearranged everything in my day yesterday and today for 8 o'clock this morning. I then got a text at 20 to 8 saying they wouldn't be here till 9 o'clock and they've just walked down the side passage of my house to go and start the gardening. So I'm sure they're going to do a brilliant job these lads, I'm sure they are, but I will not be recommending them to anyone because of the fact that it has been to get them in here. And nothing in life angers me more than tiredness and being late. I hate it so much. Jack, I tell you, I've Jack is always here on time and it makes my day. He's here earlier than me, but I will not be late for this show ever. We start recording at eight o'clock. I'll be here by two minutes to eight at the latest. I get stressed as soon as it goes past five past. I hate late. Have you so- ever been late to anything? You must not, have. You must yes, have. not because of anything that has been out of my control, though. It will be traffic or it will be something has happened. Like, I, I don't think as long as I can remember, I've ever left to get somewhere. I thought, oh, God, I'm going to be late. Yeah. I, when I leave, I have enough time to get there if something happens. And I always leave time for something to happen as well. Yes. If something big happens. I'm the, do you know where I really get it? Um, and I agree, it's politeness, you should do it, you should you should keep your commitments, and if you can't, you should let people know in enough time, and you shouldn't break them again. Airports, these people who get to, this isn't my back to developmental, but people who get to airports with like 10 minutes before they have to check in and the gate closes, I will be at an airport a good 48 hours before my flight, mm-hmm. if not more. Why leave yourself late? Enjoy the experience. And it's the biggest cause of stress in my life, because my other half, who is wonderful, has the complete opposite view on this to me. Yeah. And we have we have interesting conversations at times. It's our one it's our one real point of contention. I, I have the same. I would I you and I, I mean they're obviously Sometimes I think sometimes Jack, I think we might be made for each other. <laughs> uh, I've said so? it now. I've said it now. <laughs> the genie's out the bottle, what can we do? That will be a turn up for the books. More of a turn yes. for you, I suspect. But um I think they'd be more surprised with me. I think a few people might be like, Oh, we didn't see that one coming, Charlie. Would you come on my other podcast if that's yes. <laughs> could you imagine? That's how I imagine. I came on Jack's LGBT podcast. I said, while I'm here, Jack and I are actually together as well. So there you go. That would be, hey, that'd get some listeners, Jack. That would. That'd be, it's all, it's a, it's an attitude here, a stunt. Let's do it. <laughs> 20 years since Billy and Chuck. Let's do Jack and, Jack and Charlie's commitment ceremony. Right. My, my earning the push. Um, you sort of took the words out of my mouth with this one because I also had Cheltenham Tigers winning the national championship oh, playoff final. Thank you, Jack. I even got the score here, forty-seven ten. So I'm going to do something else. Uh, I am. I am earning the push. This is a two-parter. Earning the push, having a social media detox. Very healthy to do sometimes. Put your phone on the other side of the room where you can see it, but it's not in reaching distance. You don't have to be scrolling all the time. I'm I'm guilty of this. I'm trying to break myself with a habit. It's a good thing to do. Back to developmental, telling people you're having a social media detox. <laughs> it defies the point. It gets more people engaging with you on social media. Go, 
You okay, hun? Everything all right? You do all right. You do you. Come back healthy, and you reply to each of them. So you're not having a detox. It it defies a point. Yeah, I I, I couldn't agree more. I I I am guilty of being on my phone too often, and so you find yourself just scrolling. You're like, what am I doing? What am I looking at? So yeah, it's definitely. I think it's find that middle ground. I see some people are like turn your phone off at seven o'clock. And I'm like, well, I can't do that because a lot of my life happens after seven o'clock. Yes. So I can't do that. But also don't be glued to your phone the whole time. What I, I quite like, I did yesterday when I know nothing really to it. I'll put my phone loud. It rings. I can hear it. Cause I always think if someone needs you, they'll ring you. If someone needs you, they don't text you. They'll ring you. So I have my phone on loud, but I'll put it upstairs to charge. and I'll sit downstairs and just leave it for an hour, hour and a half. Yeah. And you hear it pinging and you're like, there's nothing important going on. And also when you, when I'm with, Mother half. If someone needs me, they'll ring her. They, they can't get hold of me. Do you know what I mean? So yeah. I do that. I do that sometimes. It's I, mean, I actually watched a um clip of a podcast with Ed Sheeran on yesterday and he was talking about social media. He's like, social media is just a marketing tool. He's like, I use it just for marketing. He's like, because also when people are just putting out there like a selfie or something like how good they're looking, he's like, that's a cry for help. They want people to tell them how good they're looking and check they're okay. So I, I do think there's there's so many issues with social media, isn't there? Um, yeah. but I think getting away from it for sometimes it is a is a good thing. And like I say, it's a it's a highlight reel for everyone. No one's putting their rubbish days on social media, so never quite believe everything you see on it. No one's life is quite as good as it looks on Instagram. Apart from ours, it is just as glamorous. Charlie mm. really is putting in raised beds in the garden. I really yes. am doing early starts for my other job. It yes. really is as glamorous as it looks. Uh, so look, it's been a cracking one today. Uh, if you listen and, and we know you do, thank you. Recommend us to friends, rate, review and subscribe wherever you're listening. Charlie underscore Beckett and Jack underscore Murley. Next week we will have reaction to WrestleMania backlash. Uh, okay, I'm going to put it out there. I do think Drew McIntyre pins Roman Reigns in the six man. Am I going to be right or am I going to be wrong? Oh, I hope you're wrong. I hope you're, I've, I, I think you're wrong. But I more than hope, I, I'm sorry, more than think I hope you're wrong because I just don't think that's the way to do it. Okay, we shall see. Remember as well, next week we're starting fantasy booking one feud from WWE started afresh or coming to a culmination by Hell in a Cell. What would end inside the cell and why? Until next week, on behalf of Charlie Beckett and myself, Jack Murley, we are out of time. Thank you for listening and bye-bye. Bye-bye.